hey there, all you DC Comics news fans, comic book fans, fans of, well, either DC Comics or podcasts or lists, or top fives or any of these other things, or if I just happen to be that person who you like to listen to when you're doing your chores. I've had it mentioned by a few people that listening to podcasts helps them get through the mundane, and if that's what I'm here for, well, hey, happy to be a part of your day. You're listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack episode number 124. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. My absolute delight and pleasure each and every week to bring you my top five picks from DC Comics. It's a chance for me especially to hang out, share a little story, have some fun talking about the books that, for me, really just make such an, uh, a profound difference. My first one for this week is uh, Things Fall Apart. The story within Aquaman Becoming, issue number one, written by Brandon Thomas, with uh, Diego Orletegui on the pencils, Wade Von Grawbadger on the inks, Adriano Lucas on the colors, and World Designs with the letters. It was David Tolaski who took care of the original cover, with Carrie Randolph and Emilio Lopez on the variant cover, and Francis Manipool on the 125 variant cover. Absolutely phenomenal story here. It, it gives us just a, a great glimpse, not only through these amazing covers, the original, the, uh, the variants, um, <laughs> and the arrival of, uh, of the new Aquaman, of how Jackson Hyde is on the first pages, apparently in a nightmare situation on Apocalypse, but it turns out this is actually part of a very interesting training program, one that until now Jackson Hyde has been unable to complete or defeat. And now in this moment, we see him achieving success and even being congratulated by Arthur Curry, who lets him know, you know, that's an impressive feat and that it's actually one of Bruce Wayne's who helped design the program, one of his favorite tests and challenges. From there, we get the chance to see Jackson potentially have a romantic interest slash interlude. But of course, as is life, this all happens while he's in the middle of a meal with his mom. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have. There is nothing harder than trying to flirt, let alone show attention or interest in a person you're interested in especially when mom and or dad or any other member of the family. I mean, it's almost worse when it's siblings. Sometimes they know well enough that it's awkward and embarrassing and they give you a break. Sometimes moms and dads can be clueless or pretend clueless. And when they do that, it's like they're just sort of toying with you, kind of a cat and mouse situation. Anyways, this all gets quickly interrupted because, sadly, there is violence to be had. But as is the nature with violence... One of the blessings is always that you've got heroes to fight it. Now, Jackson is taking on quite an impressive foe, someone who is quick to put him to task and also challenge him, not only physically, but athletically. And then, then we find him surrounded. And man, I just love the pacing of this story. I love the introduction, the idea of... I mean, if you're going to train, put yourself in a hellish situation and set a challenge that 
it's hard to overcome the first couple of times through. I mean, you play any games or video games or anything else like that, I'm sure this scenario is going to be pretty familiar to you. And it was a great way for me to enjoy the story. It was a really fun way for me to enjoy the visuals because, man, you know, Brandon Thomas is creating a great script, but Diego Olartegui, uh with the uh, those lines, man, those pencils, I mean, there's just something about the details, the expressive... Uh, emotions on Jackson's face as well as on those around him. The fight scenes are really well captured. The the inks just bring those lines into sharp detail. Adriana Lucas, brilliant colors and very impressive letters from uh, N-World Design providing some great voice. All makes for a stellar package and a great first five out of five pick for me on this week's episode. As we're cruising along here, I think I heard my belly rumble. I think that means I need to go get me a snack. I don't know if you can hear in the outside background, but there's some rain falling. Yeah, even though it's California, we're in the middle of a La Nina with an atmosphere river. And well, since last night, it's just been pouring, which means lazy morning, you know, get some work done, try to get to the next thing and in between man i just coffee and then whoo and then there's this hanging out with you guys getting a chance to uh talk about some great comics my second book on the list catwoman number 35 uh great original cover the variant with the yarn is top notch and this is another example of why ram v is just so good i mean <laughs> for starters Fear State, Street Thunder, great story. Uh, Ram V's writing is matched by the art from Nita Vakueva. Uh, colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by Tom Napolitano. And uh, original cover by Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn with the variant cover by Jenny Frisson. And poof, I mean, the variant I love, but the, uh, the first page we are dropped right into Alleytown, Gotham, the West, the outline of, you know, a body, someone who wanted to be helpful to Selena at the end of last issue made a powerful sacrifice and in doing so rescued Selena's sister, but at the same time uh, led to the decision for her to leave. And these are all things that Selena is grappling with as she stands on the roof and tries to make some sense of uh, what it is that's happening around her. She's apologizing to a lieutenant on the police force who knew uh, Hadley, the detective, who made the sacrifice. And she's processing not only that loss, but the uh, departure of her sister, who, even though she wants her to be sent away to somewhere safe, can't guarantee that that safety is actually something that can be achieved. Um, And aware of the fact that now she has this continuing guilt with the lieutenant who is aware that Hadley was on to something that the rest of them were missing. And now that he's revealed it to them, they're stuck with the other problem, which was the reason that Hadley died is that Father Valley had been using Selena's sister as a kind of final breaking point to have her killed should you know, he need the leverage and or things go badly in his confrontation with Selena. Well, 
Father Valley's still out there. Alleytown is still at war. The magistrate is still closing in. There are drones. There are terrified people in their homes. And those who are on the streets are just as terrified. And yet they also have some interesting allies, some former Batman rogues who have come to the forefront and offered their assistance since last issue. And here they are now suggesting just what it could mean what it could be, you know, for them to make Alleytown uh, a last place for freedom, a last place where, well, anyone who thinks that the magistrate is wrong and that Gotham had its problems, but that this is the wrong solution, they have a chance. Alleytown could be that kind of hope. And then we also have the fact that crossing all layers is the false oracle who's been spreading lies about Batman being dead, about uh, what it is that people need to do. And then just for fun, we have a great conversation between the Riddler and Penguin about did Batman really die? How many times has you know it been declared that Batman's dead only to have him come back? And then we jump back into action with Selina, who is out on the streets defending, helping, fighting. She's there because she's trying to find out that Batman's going to be okay. And then she comes across someone who is aware of the fake Oracle and how it is that the uh, real Oracle, who is trying to communicate, is seeing her message subverted. And then, and then, there's the suggestion that even with everything going on, there are other players in the game who are coming into play and who soon will not only add to sort of the chaos, but introduce some other conflicts, tensions, goals, motivations, all things that Catwoman is going to have to navigate as she continues to fight for Alleytown, as she continues to strive and work, while also well aware of the fact that there's been a lot of loss, there have been a lot of challenges, and she's stuck now, you know, trying to see this thing through, play a final hand. And we know in the events of Future State that, that she continues this fight. But also heard recently on the DC Comics News podcast that Catwoman will be coming to a close soon around issue number 38. So where are we all building to and where will we lead off? It's going to be very interesting. I have faith in Ram V to set it all up for us. But before we can get to my next couple of books, we're going to take that always famous ad break, get that out of the way, catch you up on all the great things going on, bring you right on back here for more DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'll be here when you come back. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. 
Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the bat, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> Here's <on> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything off, you want, anything you want. 
Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want God damn it. Look, all right. We're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's seasoned, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And hey, I try to keep my word. I do my best. Here we are back again. I'm with you. You're with me. And we are on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 124. Taking a look at Batman the Detective. This is my uh, third choice for this week. After we come back from that cool jazzy sound, let's jump right into the wild and wonderful. I'm talking about Batman as he has been overseas taking on a case man i mean essentially someone is out there killing all of the people that batman saved they're trying to balance an equation they're trying to make right or wrong that they blame batman for doing tom taylor's writing is matched by andy kubert's pencils sandra hope's inks brad anderson's colors and clem robbins bringing the voices to life with his letters We've got Andy Kuber and Brad Anderson on the cover and the variant cover. Both are lovely. I highly recommend picking the one that works best for you. Or, hey, why put yourself in that predicament or pickle? Go ahead and bring them both home. Don't worry. If anyone asks, I said it's okay. Sound good? Keeping things going. Batman is now relying upon a European alliance of the bat. They are operational. They are working with him to track down this list of names there are thousands of people who have all been saved by batman and then of course there's the challenge of getting there now it turns out that members of the alliance include members of police forces and it is batman who is able to find a group of hostages and seek to rescue them so constantly he is facing down the continued threat against those that he saved once before that he must save now again now it does help that he's got some very impressive artillery and transport this thing looks like a train tank it moves like it's a demon possessed and it's there especially when batman needs to rely on the hostages being safely cared for transported um, plus, you just get some really awesome fight scenes of Batman just doing what he does so well, making it look so good. Um, <laughs> and he's doing it against these very interesting twisted versions of him, these figures in white bat costumes who are part of this equilibrium um, army, I guess you could call it. Now, just because you capture one group doesn't mean that the story has come to a close. There's more involved. There is the conflict and the challenge. 
And then you've got figures like Ducard, who just sort of make things a little, you know, uh, messy. And uh, along the way, you've got the possibility that things are going to continue to become difficult. That somehow, Batman is going to have to deal with a person who suffered a great tragedy and blames Batman for saving a life and causing loss for her personally. And then because of that, viewing Batman through this lens as someone who, you know, is so misguided that their attempts to save more still cost those who are harmed. And in doing so, that that cost is unequal, something that she is trying to equalize as equilibrium. Um, I think it makes for a really fun story. I think it makes for a really interesting approach and we're in issue number five of a six issue miniseries so it's wrapping up soon how much of it is building to a head and how much more is in store in that final issue and then finally will that final issue make it here on an upcoming episode of the dc comics new spinner rack oh you're gonna have to come back to find out you really really will now keeping things moving is our fourth choice shazam number three man Shazam is really taking some interesting ideas. I mean, as it stands right now, Rock of Ages is in hell. And in the story Sons of Perdition, Tim Sheridan shows us just what happens when Shazam agrees to, you know, take a ride with someone from Titans Academy and ends up running. Constantly running. Um, (laughs) So one of the fun things is Um, well, the person that is transporting Shazam just happens to be the offspring of a very powerful figure within hell. And just because this is someone who can get him there, that doesn't mean that things are, you know, good, let alone safe. But Billy is determined. He knows that his powers have been shorting out ever since the Rock of Eternity moved into hell. And how did it get there? And why is it there? And then how do you fix it? Now, of course, he's got his buddy with him, who uh, is the son of the devil, goes by Nevermore, and yet also is a bit of an issue being down there. Because everyone wants a shot at him. And... uh, (laughs) Then you've got Shazam in the way. Oh, oh, and just for fun, we have Neuron showing up. Now, if you read any of the Future State stuff regarding Shazam and the Titans, man, what Neuron is able to ensorcel Shazam in is nothing short of just wickedly evil and brilliantly manipulative. And because of that, so many others are going to become involved And with that, there's going to be a series of conflicts coming soon that will include the lives and the existence of characters like Raven and others. And the way it's all being set up here is pretty masterfully done. It it shows us just how many things transpired before the events of Future State that that saw Shazam in such a terrible position. Now, on top of it, I mean, the art is phenomenal. Um... I'm just going to say that Marcelo Maiolo's colors are ridiculous. Clayton Henry's art is 
<laughs> I mean, it brings hell to life. It shows you the darkest sides, and then the colors of Myolo just make it sing. Rob Lay's gorgeous uh, letters bringing the voices to life, whether they are the monstrous, like Sulabak, or the thoughtful and considerate, like Billy Batson. Original cover by Henry and Myolo with a variant cover by Fico Osio. This is one of those stellar packages that, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you want to have this in your hands? It's so good. It's so much fun. And really, it's a perfect choice for me for my fourth book. And a great way to bring us to my fifth and final choice for that one. I am talking about Batman Secret Files, Miracle Molly. Now, the interesting thing about Miracle Molly for me is the way she sort of just showed up. You know, this is a special number one. And it tells us a lot more about Miracle Molly by showing her arriving in the midst of committing a crime. And she's doing so at the residence of a very wealthy family. It's a husband, wife, and their son. And it's the son who thinks he recognizes Miracle Molly. Except he calls her Mary. In this story by James Tynan IV, we've got art by Danny. We've got Lee. Ooh. Lowridge, I think I said that right. If I didn't, let me know. Providing the colors, we've got Tom Napolitano on the letters, bringing the voices to life, whether they are Miracle Molly or any of the other characters. Then we have Little Thunder providing both the main cover and the 125 variant cover with another variant cover by Justine Franey. And man, the thing about Miracle Molly that really catches my attention here is what we learn about Mary, who she was before she made the choice to become Miracle Molly, how it is that she was trapped in one of those horrible situations that it, it, it feels all too familiar. You know, someone who is very talented, undervalued, treated horribly by their superiors, and these superiors just wear and grind and degrade and dehumanize until they break a person and then do their best to steal everything the person was working on, claim it as their own, while still in a very unseemly way, that's probably the best way I could think of it, in an unseemly way, suggesting that, you know, this is all the way it's supposed to happen because the person who's actually really the creator and originator doesn't deserve it, while the person who is manipulative and a horrible boss and generally just a horrible person does simply because they want things they're in a position of power and they believe that they deserve it i mean uh, clearly their privilege is something and then on top of it we have mary who's in a relationship that she doesn't feel is honest i mean it appears so uncomfortable you know having a partner who's bugging you to not oversleep and pointing out how much you need to you know, clean yourself up and how lucky you are to have them there to point out all the things that you're doing wrong and mistakes you've made. Everything comes to a head for Mary when she decides to take initiative and really stand up and tell her bosses just how good she is at what she does. And she's pushed to do this because, I mean, her husband, well, they got married and the idea was for them to have a career, but his family putting pressure on her that they would love to have a grandchild and if she could just stop doing something like pursuing a career then she could do it or if she would just dial back her expectations of her career and focus on giving them what they want which is a grandchild 
then things would probably be better for their family. She would stop being so <clears throat> selfish and put her needs secondary to those of those who want. She even gets the same sort of reaction from her mother. And one of the challenges is that at the beginning I mentioned she's being told by her husband, you know, hey, you're, you overslept because you stayed up too late. And that's because she's been checking out someone named Mr. Wise who has an offer to wipe away all of your past, erase your memory, everything that made you before the moment when this occurs, and then afterwards to decide, just based on your impulses and desires, who it is that you want to become from that day forward. The transition is a powerful moment that I highly encourage anyone to experience, and I would also say the events leading up to it are a great reminder of those around us that they, they suffer just as much as we do. They struggle as much as we do. They face so many of the same challenges. But just as much as we might not feel noticed, they experience that as well. And maybe, just maybe, if we notice the other people around us, we have an opportunity to keep someone from feeling like the only choice they have is to erase their identity and become someone new. Now, for Miracle Molly, this could prove to be uh, the best opportunity. Maybe... Leaving all of the past, the doubts, the fears behind, that's the way to go. But I think there's also a lesson and a suggestion of maybe that person could be the person who decides that you are no longer valuable and necessary. And that since you didn't have the time to share, to give them an alternative choice, a direction, a human connection, they're now going to do what they think is best. And that doesn't include you. It's a really powerful example of the great storytelling you can always come to expect from James Tynan. It's matched by the beautiful art, the lovely colors which capture the tone, the scene, the emotions. It It's a really masterful work and I enjoyed every bit of it. That's why I'm happy to make it my fifth and final choice right here with you on the DC Comic News Spinner Rack. This has been episode number 124. I've been Lucky enough to be your host for this episode and looking forward to the chance to come back, share more books with you right here on an upcoming episode of The Spinner Rack. As always, you can find us on one, the podcast you're listening to, or any of the other big ones out there from Apple and Stitcher and Spotify, Google Play, to more. And of course, if you get any sort of thoughts you want to share with us, find us on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and all the others. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. It's at DC Comics News. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, make a connection, let's have a great conversation. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, your feedback. Grateful to all of you who do write in, message, and share. And until next time, that great little reminder we always have, which is to always read more comics. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.